Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. You ready for this? You guys already in the holiday spirit? Are you ready to get fat in just a few days? You know, if you want to look for a reason to get some extra calories in, you know, Thanksgiving is that holiday. Um, you know, I just have a personal philosophy. If you don't count the calories, they don't count. So, uh, you know, you can take that with you, and, uh, and may you be blessed this holiday season. Uh, so, uh, my name is Pastor Joey. For those of you that are new, we do have a three-week challenge, as Scott said. Uh, we just challenge you to take the next three weeks in a row to visit with us because we know how hard it is to find a church home in just one week. And so, uh, we do encourage you to make that challenge. And then if you do, if you make it three weeks, let us know. We want to celebrate with you. And if you believe God is leading you to make Vertical Life Church your future home or your spiritual home, we say welcome home. And, uh, and we're excited for you to be a part of what God is doing here. So we are in the full swing of holiday season in our house. We got our Christmas decorations out. Uh, we're just uh, minus a few things outside, but it, our interior is looking awesome. You get that warm Christmas feeling. Uh, they're on the fireplace and everything else is uh, it's just amazing. I love this holiday, um, but uh, we got to get through Thanksgiving uh, before we can really get into the swing. But the holiday movies are already being played at, at our home. And so uh, we are just enjoying this season. Today we are in uh, week three of our series, Family Matters, and uh, we're talking about issues that arise during the holidays, things that maybe can come against the holiday spirit, some of the joy of the season. Uh, the first week we're talking about how it's easy to sometimes get emotionally overwhelmed, and especially as we already live busy lives, the holidays tend to add things to our plate, and so sometimes what is supposed to be a blessing can often be a burden. And so we talked about kind of working through that calendar chaos and how we can prioritize our lives in such a way that we can live out from God's blessed, we can live from God's rest, and, and really enjoy the holiday season. And then last week, uh, we had a fun time talking about all those relatives that, that tend to get under our skin and, and really looking at how God loves us in such a way that if we key into the way he loves us in the way we treat other people, how we can miraculously turn around relationships and dynamics in our life and really not have Christmas drama or holiday drama, but, but have the blessing that we hold near and dear to our lives. And so today we're, we're getting into another issue because I, I don't know if you're like me, but every time uh, you're around the holidays, what, what do you think of? You think of, I got to buy Christmas presents, right? I got to buy gifts. And so you start making a list of everyone that you have to buy for. And we have a large family. Like we have four kids. And so, you know, you times that by X amount of dollars, and that, and that adds up really quickly. Not only do we have kids, but we have extended relatives, and, and we have, uh, you know, coworkers and friends and, and people in our lives that we want to buy for. And there is this push to, to be generous, to, to spend money, to, to invest yourself in things, and, and it can be overwhelming sometimes. And there could be a kind of a tearing in your spirit between that feeling of wanting to be generous and maybe uh, wanting to be a little 
Scrooge-like in this time of year. I'm going to tell you a story of something that uh, came across this, this week. A group of men, many of you know that, that I like to go to the gym and work out. It's one of my, my favorite things to do, uh, to stay fit. Um, this week, a group of men were at the gym. When a cell phone rings, one of the men answers the phone, yes, he says. On the other line, there is a woman speaking who says, Hun, is that you? I can hardly hear you. Hello, are you at the gym? Yes, I'm at the gym. The lady goes on to say, well, I'm in front of the first shop, and they have this beautiful mink coat. Can I buy it? How much is it? The man responds, about $5,000. Okay, but buy a matching purse that goes with it too, my love. Well, it also turns out that I stopped by the car dealership, she says today, and saw they have a brand new BMW on sale, and it's the last one. How much is the sale? Only $60,000. Well, fine. Buy it. But make sure you get all the accessories with it. And if it costs a little more, I won't get mad. So the woman, realizing all her requests were being approved, decided to take a risk. She says, well, honey, remember that I told you that my mother wants to come live with us. Is it okay if I invite her to stay for about a month just to try it out, and then after a month we can talk about it again? Okay, fine, but don't ask me anything else, the man says. Yes, yes, I love you so much, baby, she replies. Love you too. Bye-bye now. As soon as he hangs up, the man turns to the rest of the group at the gym and asks, does anyone know whose phone this is? You see... It's easy to be generous with other people's stuff. It's not so easy when it hurts your pocketbook, when it comes out of your purse or your billfold. I think that's why our politicians find it so easy to rack up the national debt, because it's not affecting them personally. Right, right? It's easy to be generous with other people's stuff, especially uh, when, when there's no detrimental effect to you. But again, when it affects you, it becomes more difficult. Now, I think in this holiday season, there's so much pressure to buy, it, it, whether it's to keep up with the Joneses, to have that latest and greatest, you know, even if you're a parent and you've got kids, to, to buy them the best, that they have this Christmas list, and you want to get them everything on the list. And it, it's something that we want to do, partly because we love them, but also because we feel pressured to do it. And not only once we get our Christmas list purchased, we get these things um, bought, what happens next? Then all the charitable organizations begin to pop up. How many of you feel guilty every time you walk past those bell ringers and you don't have something to put in there? You know, they're singing the holiday songs. You know, they're belting it out. They're singing, and, and you walk by them, and they give you that look like, you going to do it? You going to do it? No, you're not going to do it? Cheapskate. You know, they, they, just, they just make you feel, they got that guilty look, right? And then you go to checkout, and what does the register ask you before you complete? Do you want to make a donation? Right, there, there are these requests to donate. If you do a, a, a search for the top 10 charitable organizations to give to during the holidays, number one is probably my favorite, and that's St. Jude's Hospital. And so I, I try to give to St. Jude's uh, when, when I can, every time, just a dollar here, a dollar there, but it makes a, a big difference. Then you have Pay Away the Layaway, Project Linus, One Simple Wish, Toys for Tots, Operation Christmas Child, which we do every year. And again, 64 boxes, that's amazing. 
to be able to participate in blessing children over, over the world. There's the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the Prison Fellowship Angel Tree, the Salvation Army Angel Tree, Operation Christmas Spirit, and a plethora of local needs. There, there are often families in the area that, that need extra assistance and help, and so the schools will be reaching out, churches will be reaching out. Everyone seems to be reaching out during the holidays, and, and if I'm being honest, right, we can be real here, right? This is church, right? It's good to tell the truth. The Bible says confess your sins one to another, so then pray for each other. If I'm being honest, I struggle with generosity, it's something I have struggled with my entire life. When I was younger, I, I remember, I don't remember what year it is, but I remember the day I woke up to the reality of how selfish I was because I was mad that I got two of the same presents for Christmas one year. And like it ruined my, I was, I was angry. And then I realized, how pathetic are you? You're mad about the gifts you got, right? And I'm just like, man, like, why are you acting like that? And so I, from that point on, I tried not to, you know, really care about what I got, just to be thankful for the things that, that I got. But when I was younger, I really believed it was better to receive than to give. I had it backwards. And, and so God has been working in my life to, to become more generous. And now I really love it when I can be generous. I, I love it. I love it whenever I can, like, to take, like, 100 bucks and just bless somebody out of nowhere. Yeah. Wait, did we pass the offering yet? You know, I just, I just love being able to do that. I mean, we're, there are times in our church where like, we have a core value of crazy generosity, and we used to, uh, for Pay It Forward Day, we used to buy a bunch of gift cards and go to BG's and just pay for people's groceries. And just watching that blessing and people, you know, be, tear up because they didn't know how they were going to even pay for the groceries that day, and, and God just came through with a blessing. Those moments are really, really special. But for me, generosity doesn't come naturally. It's not my natural gift, even though I really want to grow in it. Which is why verses like Isaiah 32, 8 kind of really cut me to the core. Isaiah says this. He says, generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to be generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Now, if I'm going to be generous, I have to plan for it because I have to be intentional because it's not natural for me. Like some of you, you have a gift of generosity, and I believe it is a spiritual gift. I believe it is divinely given by God because when you go out and you go shopping, whether or not you have a grocery list or you have a shopping list, you're not just shopping for you. You're shopping for you and every other person you could possibly think of all the time. And I will tell you, people like you inspire me. They inspire me. That, that your mind is constantly on other people. And that's an encouragement. It's an inspiration to others who aren't naturally gifted or spiritually gifted in generosity. But when I am going to be generous, I have to plan for it. But you know what my struggle is? I don't often plan for it. Because I'm not thinking that way. And so whenever those opportunities, whether it's tipping the car wash attendant or, or, or it's doing something above and beyond the normal, like, like having money to throw at the bell ringers, if I haven't planned for it, what happens in that moment is I feel guilty. Like I feel this tension, this, this thing in my life, like, man, what, why didn't I prepare for that? Why did I just spend my last two bucks 
on a soda I didn't need when I could have given it in the bucket. Or I could have given it to help them pay for the change that they were short at the register. Like, why, why didn't I have that in my mind? You see, the holidays are a reminder to us that God's heart for his people is to be the most generous people on the planet. The reason why we focus so much on generosity during the holidays is because it is a reminder of how generous God is to us. And I want to share with you just some ways the Bible tells us that God is generous to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, God is generous by providing for all of our needs. Can I get an amen? I, I'm having conversation with um, a man overseas in, in Kenya, really two people in Kenya, who are asking for prayer because they are enduring one of the most severe droughts they've ever had in their history. Where literally they're watching animals die in their place because of no water and the heat. And God is still providing for their needs in the midst of a drought. He's a faithful, faithful God. And 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says, God is enriching us in every way. He's enriching us. He's enriching your life in every way. In Titus 3, 6, it says he's generously pouring out his spirit. How many are you thankful for the Holy Spirit? He's generously pouring out his spirit every day. In uh, James 1, 5, it says he's generously giving us wisdom. It says he, he'll generously give wisdom to anyone who asks for it. I need a lot of wisdom in my life. In, J in James 4, 6, it says he's generously giving us grace. How many of you thank God for grace? 1 Timothy 1.14, he's generously filling us with faith and love. You realize that when you, when you are struggling in your spiritual life and you're, you're asking God, God, I just need more faith, do you realize faith comes from him? It's a gift. And so the faith that you have, you're not responsible for. God gave you that faith. And he gives you more faith as he fills you with his love. And James 1.17 says he's being generous because every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good thing in your life has come from your heavenly Father. Our God is a generous God. Even to the point of sending his one and only Son into the world to rescue sinners. You cannot outgive God. He is the top dog when it comes to generosity. God desires for his people to be generous because he is generous. To be holy as he is holy, set apart as he is set apart. And the reason is because he wants his love to flow through us, not just in intangible ways. Right, we, we often would try to bless people by giving them thoughts and prayers. And that's a, a common thing. Um, you know, I've been thinking about you today. Oh, wasn't that sweet? Now, prayer is powerful. We're a praying church. We, think, we believe in the power of prayer. But sometimes people need more than a prayer. Sometimes they need you to actually follow through and help them meet a need. And sometimes God is having you pray for that person so that you will join him in meeting that need. He wants us 
to operate in a way that his love can flow through us in tangible ways. In 1 John 3, 17, John the apostle says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? What God's heart is a heart of generosity. And so if, if we can look at somebody's need, especially a brother or sister in Christ, somebody that, that, that is in our life, that God's put in our life, we can see that they're in need, that they're struggling, and, and we have no thought to help them with that need. We have no desire to join God in blessing. The question is, how can his love be in your heart? Because if you're connected to him, you'll love like him. Jesus said, if you loved me, You'll not just talk about my commandments, you'll keep my commandments. Which means if you love him, you'll want to be like him, strive to be like him, and be most generous because God is love. God is the definition of generosity. And generosity is all about putting his love on display. God wants our love and his love to flow freely, and he wants us to freely give as we freely receive. If everything good in our lives is not by our own effort, our own initiative, our own talent and ability, if everything good in our life was given to us by God, that means we have freely received everything that we have. And if we have freely received everything that we have, then we can freely give it away. 2 Corinthians 9-7 talks about the heart of a giver. Paul says to the church of Corinth, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Like we, we've heard that God loves a cheerful giver. And I, and I don't think we really have in our mind, like we use this verse often when we talk about our tithes and our offerings, so I, like giving uh, to the church so that we can do the ministry, we can build the kingdom here. But I think this, this applies to more than just the church. But let's just take the tithe for a minute because a lot of people struggle with giving God their first and their best. A lot of people struggle with trusting him enough with what he's given them to put him first in their finances. And so the giving aspect is a, more of a challenge than it is a blessing. But God's heart is for us to not only trust him, but to be joyful in giving because of what he's going to do in response. And I, and I want to paint a picture to you of what a cheerful giver looks like. And we'll just show that on the screen. God, I think we're going to try something different next week for the offering. That's a church service in Africa, and they're paying their tithes. 
Why are they so happy? Because the reality of what God does in the life of a cheerful giver is become all too real to them. See, often when you have a lot, you take a lot for granted. But when you don't have so much, you have perspective on the value of what you actually have. And, and so I, I think back to uh, just being a cheerful giver. Do you know why, in the book of Genesis, why God accepted Abel's offering and didn't accept Cain's offering? Right? Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's like first, first two sons. You know, they could have had other kids. We don't know, but we're, taught, we're told about it, Cain and Abel. And they both bring an offering to the Lord, and God accepts Abel's offering, the younger son, and rejects Cain, the older son. Do you know why that is? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, here's what the Bible says. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Right? First, like, you know that there's sibling rivalry going on. Right, right. You can't get two dudes in a room, especially brothers, and them not trying to one-up each other. Right? There's competition. And so when one is accepted and the other isn't, that's bad news. Especially when the younger brother is accepted over the older brother, that's bad news. Right, right. That, that, that's, that's calling for strife. But there's a reason why Abel's offering was accepted. And, and many theologians, scholars will point to the type of gift. Right? Cain gave from the harvest, from the fruit of the ground. Abel gave from the flock, and some people want to think that that applies to the blood of Jesus and representing sacrifice, but that's not at all what the Scripture is telling us. The Scripture tells us exactly why Abel was accepted and Cain wasn't. Abel gave from the best of his flock, from the first and the best, in, in the ESV translation of um, this same passage, when it comes to Cain's offering, in verse 3, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering from the fruit of the ground. Cain was a, a farmer. He, he was a, a, a farmer. He raised crops and he gave, but he did not give his first and his best. He gave his leftovers. Abel gave his best. Cain just kind of Obligate, obligatory, or whatever that word is, out of obligation, got it? Cain, out of obligation, gave to the Lord. So God accepts Abel because Abel's gift was out of a heart of worship and praise. Cain's was out of obligation. So God, when we give, God doesn't want a pity or a reluctant gift. He wants an offering flowing from a thankful and loving heart, which means you can keep your guilt offering because that's not what he wants. He longs for an offering of thanksgiving. So when we ask this question, do I got to give, when it comes to being generous, do I got to give, the answer is no, you don't. You don't got to give. You get to give. You don't got to give. You get to give. Somebody turn to your neighbor and tell them, you don't got to give, you get to give. You get to give, right? God is inviting you through generosity into an opportunity, not into an obligation. And God has a plan for your generosity to bless you in the act of giving. 
In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says, And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than receive. We all love it when we get awesome gifts. You know, when, when you have a friend that was just thinking about you, and it was like, man, I was thinking about you today. I picked this little thing up for you. Man, that's a blessing. That's awesome. Man, I appreciate that. But God's word says it's better to give, to be the giver, than the receiver. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, there's a principle of sowing and reaping. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Every act of giving you do out of a thankful heart that God blesses is like planting a seed in the soil that grows up into a plant that has infinitely more seeds. And the more seeds you plant, the more crops grow, the more seeds are produced, the more is produced in your life. So when we talk about you reap what you sow, it's not just you get back what you gave. You get infinitely more back than what you gave. In Deuteronomy 15.10, the word of the Lord says, give generously. Somebody say give generously. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. This is a promise of God. He doesn't just say give. He says specifically give generously to the poor. Give to those who are in need. Give to those who are uh, in, in a lower state than you. Give to the poor, and he will bless you in everything you do. And this just isn't financial blessing. This is blessing in every area of your life. And I firmly believe, as a promise of God, if you are struggling in any area of your life, if you have something you're wrestling with, you, you have a stronghold in your life, you have a, a mountain you're trying to climb, there is an issue in your life you're trying to conquer, the fastest way to break through is sow a seed of generosity. It says, I will bless you in everything you do. So it, there is a principle here that you can sow a seed and receive a blessing if you're doing it in the right spirit. Luke 6, 38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So it's not just that God's going to bless you in everything you do, but if you can imagine a container where you're trying to fit like precious metals or you're trying to fit jewels, or you're trying to fit money or coins or, or something special. He says, I'm not just going to pour it in there, but we're going to shake it to make sure you can capture all the room. It can all settle down, and you can fit more in there. And when it's completely full, it's going to keep coming, and it's going to overflow in your lap. Like God's desire to bless your life is beyond what you could possibly imagine. He has a heart for generosity. He has a heart for blessing. It's the principle of reaping and sowing. God's blessings flow. And again, there's a universal truth. You can't outgive God. And so God wants his people to capture a heart of generosity. Why? So he can be more generous in your life. As you're generous to others, God's blessings will flow into your life. And again, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This isn't, this isn't a Ponzi scheme. This is not an ad campaign or a fundraising campaign for the church. This is a principle that God wants to work out in your life because he's a good father, and he loves to bless his children. 
In Matthew 19, 29, again, like I know that often there's a tearing when we talk about generosity and, and giving and, and being a blessing and having a heart of generosity. There could be that tearing in your spirit about well, what if an opportunity comes and God wants me to give and I don't feel like I have enough or, or I have to give up something in order to give and be generous. Jesus promises in Matthew 19, 29, everyone who's given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Let me read that again. Everyone who's given up houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, or property for my sake. There are no categories for what we should be willing to give God. And when we don't withhold what God has given us, what's he say? You'll receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. When we walk out a heart of generosity where we say, God, I'm divorced from the world. All I have is yours. All I have is yours. Then God begins preparing a blessing for us that we'll receive some here in this life, but in fullness in eternity that you can't put a dollar sign on. We'll get infinitely more back than what we've ever given up here. There's a reward coming in the hereafter. So the holiday season, though it's a reminder to be generous, this is the heart of God for his people every day. This isn't just a one-time-a-year thing where we feel good about, about doing something good. This is something God wants us to live out every day, that our light would so shine before men that they would see our good works and give glory to God the Father. And beloved, when we walk this out, there is a reward coming, and God has also promised not just to bless us, but he has anticipated that tearing in our spirit that says, well, if I live that kind of generosity, that crazy generosity, I might not have enough. I might not be able to meet my needs. If I, God, I'm looking at my finances, and if I pay my tithe and I give my tithe to you, I might not be able to make my bills. I talked to a, a woman this week who I, I known her for a few years now. She was sharing her story about all the things that she had been going through uh, with her family and her, and her marriage, and it was just completely unraveling in all the bills, all the things that she's having to deal with, and, and she's working a job that would not be enough to sustain everything that she has, but she has paid every bill, and she said this without coaxing without trying to draw it out of her, she says, and I tell everybody, the only reason why I'm able to pay my bills and stay afloat is because I pay my tithes. It's the reason. You can't afford not to trust God with your finances. If you're struggling financially and you're not giving, that's why you're struggling financially. And I have so many testimonies to share. You trust God with your first and your best, and he blesses infinitely. And he promised in Matthew 6, if you seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, he will give you everything you need. There's no one who has a larger bank account than God Almighty. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has enough, more than enough, to take care of all of us. My, my wife was sharing with me something that God had spoken to her heart uh, here recently just about the reality of how rich we really are. 
if we're God's kids, and he's the king of the universe, and he owns it all, that means we own it all. There's no limit to our dad's pocketbook. That There's no maximum credit limit. It's infinite. Which means even if in this life we don't see a lot, we still have access to more than we understand. We have more access to more blessing. And Jesus said if we seek God first, put the kingdom first, invest in the kingdom above all the worldly draws and endeavors that come our way, we will not only see all of our needs met, but we will have rich and incredibly blessed lives. Because, beloved, it's better to give than receive. And you don't have to do it, but you get to. You get to experience the blessing. It's an opportunity. I want to end just by sharing a new friend of mine's story. We've been raising money for the orphans in India the orphanage, and I want to share with you the testimony of my new friend, Brother Sadish, who began this ministry because we've been raising money to, to bless this orphanage for, for Christmas. And I just feel like if you got to know him a little bit like I've gotten to know him, your heart is just going to melt. His story is incredible. And so, in writing to me, he says, Hello, loving friend. Greetings to you and your beloved family there. Go ahead and put the pictures on the screen. There he is, Brother Sadish and his wife. We hope that you're doing well by the grace of God, and I'd like to share with you a few words about my ministry in India from the founder of the Jesus Grace Children Ministries. I'm a small pastor in South India in the state of Andhra Pradesh. My name is Amaj Jalapu Sedesh. God called me when I was 15 years old through a dream. In 2012, I lost my dad through heart pain. In that time, I'm a very small person, and nobody cannot teach me about God. So God called me when I'm sleeping in bed. That time, I'm very fear about my dream. Really, I don't know who was calling me. At that time, I'm very fear about that then. I shared that my dream with my mom, but she was unable to share anything about my dream because she didn't know about my dream, meaning again and again, God was calling me through my dreams, but I couldn't. I didn't understand what the meaning of the dream was. Next week, one pastor came to my house, and he told me about the dream, and I decided to give my life for God. The American pastor given me baptism, and I used to go to the local church to worship the Lord and learn how to worship the Lord and how to pray to God. And then God changed my life totally. Every day I was reading the Bible, and I'm doing evangelism work in hospitals and in some villages and in the street places. My family is a very poor family. I think I need to learn about God in college and that nobody allowed me to enter the colleges because they asked much money to join for college. So, however, I've never been to any colleges to learn about God. So every time I spend with Bible and praying to God and depend upon God for my life, day by day I grow up in the Lord and God uses me in a mighty way. In the street places, I have saved 32 poor old aged people and they are coming to my church every Sunday. When I go to evangelism and sharing the good news for sick people, I've seen many orphans died without food in the mountain places. Lots of children lost their parents through accidents and HIV AIDS. 
and drinking alcohol in other places. Our uh, wife and husbands also are smoking and drinking alcohol, mostly very dangerous living in their places. I've seen a lot of helpless orphans walking on the roads and they're sleeping under the trees. So I brought them to my village and I provided for them beds and food and a bathroom and houses. For now, by the grace of God, I saved 65 little helpless orphans. I'm very difficult in feeding them sufficiently, but I'm giving a little bit of food for them every day and I'm sending them government school and after time, they'll eat food in school. And morning time and evening, they're eating food in the orphanage. Very hard for me to feeding the orphans. In my ministry, we have five water buffaloes. And every day, we're milking them and selling the milk. And I use that money for orphans. And also, we're feeding goats in my ministry. When goats grow up, we are selling the goats. And we're using that money for the orphans. Sometimes, some churches, people helping with rice and vegetables for orphans. Through your ministry... I'm able to share the gospel with orphans. Every day, we're teaching God with the, with the orphans. We are planning to make to God disciples. We need everyone's compassion and kindness for the orphans. Please pray for all of our orphans' daily needs and keep them in your daily prayers. We love you so much. He says he has a small ministry. He's got 35 senior citizens and 65 orphans. He's also co-pastoring and leading probably 20 other pastors of other churches in his area. It's phenomenal, the work that he's doing. Every, every few weeks, I get pictures of him baptizing people and giving them new Bibles, leading them to Christ. He has no seminary training. He has no formal education. How he learned English is he was given an English Bible and an Indian Bible, and he read them side by side, and that's how he learned how to speak English. The things that God is doing in his life are remarkable. They're phenomenal. And they don't make much money. He's milking cows, and he's selling goats to provide for their needs. It's, it's incredible what God is doing in their lives. And some of the pictures you saw on the screen of, of the church services were specific services where they were praying for our church by name. So they don't have the money to send resources, but they were giving to us all that they have, which is their love and their prayer. And that blesses me so much because when, when we think about giving, we think about, oh, we're helping this group out or we're doing something good for this group. And we forget that the kingdom of God is a family and as we are seeking to bless them, they're blessing us by praying and interceding for us. And they're encouraging us. I, I, I'm floored because Sadish will take old messages of mine and he'll translate them and he'll go re-preach them in the street. And God is using what he's doing here to lead people to Christ across the world. And so when I hear of the things that they're struggling with, how he's struggling to feed the orphans each week, and he's caring for widows, and when I live stream with them, and I get to see all the orphans, and they, they tell me the only English words that they know, hi, sir, love you, sir, hi, sir, love you, sir, my heart just melts, and I can't wait to get over there one day and to meet them. And so we challenged our church to raise money. Our goal was $4,000. Because they have a need 
they have some bunk beds that don't have mattresses. They need mosquito nets. They also, again, struggle with, with food, getting rice and in, in, uh, food for all of those kids. And we also wanted to do our own, like many, Operation Christmas Child and get them Christmas presents so that they know that somebody on the other side of the world loves them and is praying for them just as they're praying for us. And right now, we have, I believe Scott, where are you, Scott? Was it $1,565? $1,565 is what we've raised. And so as we're talking about the heart of generosity, and I know that you're buying gifts, I know that there are other opportunities. My invitation, my challenge is that we would pray this week and just ask God, God, what would you have me to give? All I have is yours. What would you have me to give? And respond by being faithful in that next week. And we'll receive um, one final love offering for this ministry. And then whatever comes in is going to go straight to them. And what's going to be awesome is that he's going to videotape them getting their presents. And so we'll get to show that and see them uh, open up their stuff for Christmas. It'll be a huge blessing for us. But my challenge is that we don't just talk about being generous. That even if you're like me and generosity is not your, your spiritual gift, it's something you're trying to grow in, that we surrender our hearts to the Lord and we say, God, let this season be a reminder to us about how generous you are with us. And you lay on my heart what you would have us to give. And that our church lives out that crazy generosity. And then after we receive this offering next week, let's keep that prayer going and say, God, what would you have me give today? Who would you have me bless today? Help me plan in my finances, plan in my day, plan in my time for generosity, that your love and your light would flow through me. And I know that God's going to make a huge impact in this community and in our lives through our generosity. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for your great heart of generosity, how generous you've been with us. God, sending Jesus to die for our sins is enough. If that is the only thing you ever did, that would be enough. That would be worth every trial, every struggle, every heartache, every pain. Every, every sleepless night, that would be worth it to know that we could spend eternity with you in heaven forever and ever and ever. God, that alone would be worth it. But that's not where you stop because you don't stop. You keep giving. You keep pouring out. You keep blessing because it delights your heart to bless your children. And so, God, I pray that your heart of generosity would fill up our hearts that we wouldn't look at our stuff and think of it as our stuff, but just tools and resources you've given us to make an impact in your kingdom, that we would seek the kingdom of God above all else. And God, I ask your forgiveness for all the selfish thoughts and, and days that I've only thought about myself. And I just pray, Lord, that for me and for others like me, God, that you would begin placing that heart of generosity deep within us, that we would go out our day and we would have thoughts of other people, whether it's in prayer or in tangible ways we can show your love. 
And help us to shift our thinking from having to give to the opportunity to get to give. And what a blessing that is. And we thank you, God, for your love and your grace. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, I just want to open a time for response. I'm going to invite our prayer team to go ahead and come forward. When Tony begins to lead us, if there's something on your heart, there's a need, there's someone you want to pray for, there's something going on in your life, and you would love a brother or sister in Christ to partner with you in prayer, we encourage you to come to respond to what God's doing in your life. But the greatest act of generosity that God has ever given is sending Jesus. And if there's never been a time in your life where you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've received his gift. Because that's what the Bible says. It says, those who've received Christ, God has given the power to become the sons of God. Jesus is the gift, and it's a gift you have to receive. If there's never been a time in your life, like Paul says, that you've made the decision to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, then the, the Bible says that that salvation experience he longs for you to have hasn't taken place yet. That it's an invitation. You're not, you're not born a Christian. You, you don't become one because your family's a Christian. It's not about what church you go to. It's not about how much money you give or don't give or, or what righteous acts you do. It's simply about faith in Christ and Christ alone. And so we're going to provide you an opportunity right now where you are to receive his gift. If you've never received it before, just by calling out to the Lord and asking Jesus today to be your Lord and Savior. And if you know you need to do that right where you are, I encourage you to pray with me. Just say, Father in heaven, thank you for being so gracious and kind. Thank you for being so generous in sending Jesus to die for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead and that he is my Lord and Savior. I put my faith in him today and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, to come into my life because from now on, my life is yours. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. If you prayed that prayer today, and this is the first time that you've ever prayed that prayer, you made that decision today, we're not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray a blessing on your life. If you prayed that today, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Joey, I prayed and asked Jesus into my life today. Anyone? Amen. Well, Lord, I just thank you, God, that by the testimony of all that are here, that we're the sons and daughters of God. And so, Lord, I pray right now that your heart of generosity would fill us. Holy Spirit, you would come down and you would fill us. That, Lord, that we would leave here not with eyes on ourselves or on our problems or on our worries for tomorrow or our issues for today, God, but our eyes would be fixed on Jesus. That his light and his love would shine through us, God, that in every interaction, in every circumstance, God, that your spirit would lead and that he would get the glory from all that is accomplished in his name. God, we thank you for this time of response as, as those come forward to receive prayer and ministry. God, we give you praise for what you're about to do and the breakthroughs that are about to come. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Let's all stand for just a few moments to give you time to pray and respond to God. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.cb forward slash give. Thank you, and God bless.